0: Hello and welcome to the Maiden to Mother podcast. My name is Natalie Bailey and I'm thrilled you're here. Transitioning from the youthful years of maidenhood to the divine role of motherhood is an arduous journey, one of transformation, of growth, of beauty, and of chaos. In this space, we connect with women and professionals to hear their personal and witnessed experiences of women taking this amazing journey from maiden to mother. So we have a treat. We have um, the beautiful Sherry Dostelriba riba back again. And um, this is a part two or a follow-up from um, her first interview. Um, and she has a beautiful new daughter here. And, um, I am not going to take very much time here, Sherry, because, um, we, we learned so much about you and who you are and the, and the beauty that you are in our first episode. And I'm just ready now to dive in and to hear from you. Um, the, this, this recent profound experience and, um, all that it has taught you and, um, Just whatever experiences you are willing to share with us, Sherry, um, I am, I'm ready. I can't wait. Please share (laughs) with us.
1: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me back. It was, it was so fun to do part one while I was very pregnant Mm -hmm. and then to know that I had that extra treat of being able to share, you know, what whatever was about to happen, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. at the time I didn't know how it was going to play out. um but it it was a very special and and profound experience um <clears throat> the some of the words that for me have really stuck with me for how the birth went is that it was a very trauma free transcendent experience wow and um it was just so wildly different than Um, You know what I shared about the cesarean, very long labor, and the cesarean with my first daughter Fern. So, oh, where do I start? Um, I'll start with right now. I'm in my bedroom, uh, sitting on the floor, looking across the bedroom at my flags that are from the Blessing Way that I still have not taken down. (laughs) I love that. Um, And I'm in the the room where Magnolia was born, so it feels feels cool to to be in this space. So let's see. So she decided to come, um, officially 39 and three days and a couple days before that on a, on a Thursday night, Jason and I were talking before bedtime, um, and going through the name list and just sort of you know, thinking about or predicting, like, how do we think this is going to go? And, and we both had the feeling, you know, I think tomorrow's your last day of work. I don't think you're going to end up going to work on Monday. We both had that feeling. Huh. And um, yeah, yeah. And I, I had sort of been wishing for the ninth, that didn't happen, that came and went. Um, and <laughs> he was kind of wishing for the 12th, which was Saturday. So this was Thursday night. We go to bed. Friday, I wake up. Nothing's happening. And I'm a little wont wah about it. But it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> um, and I, I went to the foot spa. A little shout-out for Sunny's foot spa in Tustin. Nice. Um, with my With my girlfriend, Ginny, on Friday night. And mm. I was feeling some of the usual movements. You know, a couple of little practice squeezes or whatever. Um, and then just re- really deep stillness um like wow. just this like kind of space or silence or stillness and after the foot spa I was talking to Jenny, and she's like you know maybe this is like the calm before the storm like I've heard you know that sometimes they don't move as much like you know right before yeah. And yeah. I was like well I don't know so she talked with my belly with baby a little <laughs> bit and then we said goodbye and went home and <clears throat> used to the bathroom and thought, am I seeing things or is that mucus plug? I don't know. Whatever. I I'm hate I'm that doubt. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, I will see. So I went to bed. Um, and at, at that time I was still, um, sleeping in the living room on a single bed. Mm -hmm. Um, several weeks before Jason was like, you know, I'm tired of you and your pregnancy pillow. I love you, but I'm going to go sleep in the big bed with Fern and you can have the single all to yourself. (laughs) And that was part of actually my, my vision of, of how things started was that I was going to wake up in bed alone, um, to something telling me that, that labor was starting. So come Saturday, which happened to be the 12th. So my husband wins on that one. Um, Nice. Yeah, so I I woke up at like six forty five, six fifty, something like that in the morning, and <clears throat> now saying that out loud, I'm like, oh, Fern was born at I think six fifty a.m. on a Sunday. Oh my god, cesarean, <laughs> huh? Um, and you texted me that morning, so you I <laughs> I woke up to my waters releasing and like waddled like cupped my vulva and waddled to the bathroom (laughs) and was like oh right you know like I'm I'm not peeing myself this is my my water had broken I was getting just like a gradual trickle so I grab a bath towel and waddle back to my single bed crawl into bed and I'm just laying there sort of excited and giddy but wanting to sleep more thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm okay with however this goes. And if it is a multi day thing, like, let's go back to bed. <laughs> yeah, if I can. Um, but I, I was too, too excited um, to go back to sleep. So I was looking at like polyvagal theory stuff, you know, on my phone and Instagram and, it was like 40 minutes after I had woken up. Um, as I'm laying there in bed with my waters really saying that you texted, like, <laughs> "Oh, my bracelet just broke off. I think you might be heading into labor soon." I'm like, "Yeah, actually." <laughs> <laughs> I so believe that, that. <laughs> I know there were so so many coincidences or synchronicities like that um, with this experience. So, yeah, it was it was a very calm morning. Um, I, I had only had a couple really kind of still like practice squeezes, like nothing super intense, only a few, um, while I was in bed and, um, Jason and Fern woke up whenever they did and we had breakfast and I had a few stronger ones sitting at the table. Um, and it was fun to see Fern, like kind of watching me, like what's going on, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, but I thought, you know, there there's nothing consistent. I still feel totally like, you know, with it, or like maybe I'll make some food or do some some more cooking or whatever. And I sent Jason and Fern out shopping to return some shoes that didn't fit her. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, <laughs> which ended up being a short trip. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I sent them out and was home alone <clears throat> for that first. I don't know first probably hour and a half to two hours and um had kind of scurried around the house got everything I thought I would need like you know paints salve, lip balm water tea my journal a book to read like my mollabies I, I gathered all these things like a little squirrel and brought <laughs> them into the bedroom <laughs> thinking okay this is my space that we prepared for me to labor in and um while I was up kind of scurrying around, like, they just, the, the contractions continued to get, like, stronger and, and bigger and, and more pronounced. Um, and at one point, I was in the little <clears throat> hallway that leads to our bedroom-bathroom area, and I had to put my hands out on either side, like, to press out into the both walls for mm. that squeeze. And I was like, oh, maybe maybe this is going actually really, really quickly. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then thankfully had like a really amazing bowel movement and, you know, got that taken care of, climbed back into bed. Always a good relief. <laughs> was, yep. I know. I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, I, I may not have to, you know, I didn't actually vomit or poop or any of the things that sometimes happen. Um, during labor like I was very excited about that 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 was taken (laughs) care of (laughs) (laughs) so I like climb into bed thinking okay I better get off my feet like this is I'm like maybe bringing this on because I've been like up and about moving and whatever so sure climb into bed and lay down and watch things um, unfold and it was you know like 10-12 minutes and then nine minutes and then seven minutes. And like I text Jason, like, you know, things are kind, kind of moving along. Like you don't need to come home right now, but you know, like something's definitely moving along. So just be on the lookout for my next message. So I tried to do a meditation. Um, it was one of the sovereign birth series, uh, meditations from free birth society that I'd been using throughout my pregnancy. Um, and it was one of their like birth affirmation, something or other um, mm. audios. So I get that plugged in and I'm, you know, tracking through my body for the relaxation part to drop in. And then the, the woman starts to ask about imagery, like what is the symbol? What's the image that's going to allow you to open to this experience or to allow your body to open for the birth process? And in that moment, I saw a very beautiful grand magnolia flower
0: oh wow um,
1: and that that was the name that we had been kind of sticking to more often than not um, mm. and that we rediscussed on Thursday night like two two nights before <clears throat> but in that moment, I was like oh that that's her name <laughs> like wow that was, that was that vision felt like okay, she's confirming that. I'm opening to this experience with that visual and that is her name. And, and it is this grand, um, (sighs) ah, yeah. Like when I, when I read about magnolia flowers, it's talking about like nobility, uh, or, or, um, like royalty, even like this very grand kind of triumphant language. Um, and seeing that flower just felt so, reassuring and secure and like this is totally happening now today at home like we want Um, and I it wasn't that exact moment but in in that same kind of timeline um, where I realized oh I'm home alone and this is happening quickly and to feel safe with the idea of it happening alone was so huge for me. Um, hmm. because I, you know, you, you know, that I had contemplated having an unassisted home birth yes. and, um, and we chose to have a midwife come and join us. Um, but in that moment it was like, I'm okay with this happening now. And if she does come before anyone else can make it back here, <laughs> <laughs> <then> that's
0: okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it, it would be, really, it would be really to be, felt- yeah, really felt like, okay, I have, I have done the work and I have reclaimed that sense of deep safety with myself and all the intensity that is to come. Um, so that was a a really beautiful moment as well.
0: Um, Yeah.
1: yeah. So I tried to finish the meditation, but things were, were progressing and continuing. And, um, our doula, the, the woman that ended up, becoming our doula, <laughs> uh-huh. um, is my friend Linda. She's a prenatal, and, uh, prenatal yoga teacher and doula. <clears throat> and she had been doing some work with me throughout late pregnancy. And I was supposed to go to the studio for a session that morning. And I said to her by text, you know, my, wa- my water's broken. I'm not coming to the studio. But what about coming here after you're done teaching? And it ended up being that Jason and Fern came home shortly after all of that had happened. And then Linda arrived right after that. And wow. Jason, I remember Jason looking at me like, you're having like a, a yoga therapy session now while you're in labor. And I'm like, no, 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 no. She's a doula too. And, and this way like she can be with me and you can get Fern set up and, you know, do some of the other prep that we need done around the house. Um, but, but that way I have a person until the midwife comes and oh okay 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 and it was it was so fun to hear Jason scurrying around the house um very much being like a busy bee or or a productive protector and getting everything ready and taking care of Fern so I could like feel that flurry happening in the rest of our house while Uh Linda was with me in the bedroom um just anchoring me in so yeah, so things were were quick. Um, it was like around noon, I think, that I texted um, Linda and Jason to come home, and you know, shortly one after the other, they arrived. And by the time Linda was here, it was I was already at maybe five minutes or less apart, but they were over a minute long. Wow! And um, I was doing some strong chanting practice the whole time <laughs> um, <laughs> with those waves, and I one of the things that really helped me this time was the intention of fully embracing the intensity of each wave, but then also inviting myself to come out of it after each one. Um, And I think one of the, mm, I was going to say like disadvantages or downsides of of like my strategy, but then again, you know, you do what, what you think works in the moment. Um, when I was in labor with Fern is that like, I, I went in and in and in and deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, and it was kind of easy to get disoriented in that way. Um, you get lost choosing to sort of endure what was going on versus like embrace it, come out, embrace it, come out. So like being able to kind of toggle back and forth in my, my system or like what state I was in, um, this time was so cool. So I was, just like impeccably focused and chanting and breathing and like embracing these very strong contractions that just continually like zero to a hundred, like, like, here we go. This is (laughs) happening and it's happening fast. Um, But then in between to be able to open my eyes and, you know, track where I was in space or look Linda in the eye or see Jason um, and like I had labored side lying as long as I could and then with Linda came up to my hands and knees on the bed and you know, I'm like totally soaked in sweat and my hair is stuck all over my face and my neck and I'm like in between contractions Fern's on the side of the bed feeding me her popsicle Oh my <laughs> Gosh. one bite at a time like here you go mama have some more um, so oh. it was like this impeccable um deep meditation for like 90 seconds or whatever, but then like presence and joy um, and connection in between. Mm. Um, So yeah, that's, that's one of my only regrets is that I have no photographs of fern feeding me Popsicle
0: (laughs) from my labor, but. I have a feeling that's an image that's never going to leave your mind. Oh, it never will. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that
1: was that was a big reason we chose chose home birth was, you know, to have it be a family experience and not have to like ship fern off to, you know, a friend's house or family or yeah. whatever. Um, but to actually have her here um for the whole thing. And she was. She got a lot of TV time, but you know, she was here for the whole you thing. Do what she gotta um, do. Oh. Right. <laughs> yeah. So um where do I pick up from there? Gosh. Oh yeah, it was around that same time um, when I was hands and knees that um, the midwife arrived and her assistant midwife um, arrived and like they did all their setup um, while checking with me and um, yeah the short phone call we had she was like yeah I'm I'm gonna come <laughs> like it's it's already <laughs> I, I'm just gonna make the call and come over okay so she could tell that things were happening um, so we continued on. And at one point, um, they suggested that I go to the bathroom and I had a handful of contractions in there, um, you know, sitting in the bathroom. And I think that that's where transition happened because my sensations were different. My sounds were different. Um, it got a little more grunty about it. Um, I think I even like bit my arm or Jason's arm at one point, like not hard but you know like a little
0: <laughs> a little release yep a little fierceness
1: had to come out uh-huh. um <clears throat> so and they were filling the tub um so we had like a little kiddie pool in the bedroom and um yeah so we we moved into the water and I I think that was probably only like the last hour and a half probably no more than two hours in the water. Um, and I was doing what I had wanted, what I, what I thought was effective gravity wise, like, you know, a lot of kneeling, uh, kneeling, hands and knees, squatting, lots of movement, shaking and wagging my tail, which like any of my students and clients know about tail wagging,
0: Mm -hmm. um, like
1: doing my thing, you know, um, trying to, to help her move. And, um, they had a mirror in the bottom of the tub and it either just was intuition or, or they were seeing that like contractions were still strong and happening, but, um, she wasn't necessarily moving visually yet, you know, down. Um, so we kind of shifted gears and I moved around in some different ways and came around to the other corner of the tub. Um, and Jason climbed in with me uh, and I was leaning back, you know, into him. Um, and this is another one of my favorite parts, which I hope he doesn't mind that I'll share. Um, he <laughs> they were telling him, OK, here's what's going to happen. Like you're going to Jason, you're going to put your feet together and have your knees you know, open to either side. Sherry's going to sit on your feet and then you can reach forward to help support her legs while she's going to push or while, while she has a contraction. And he's kind of laughing and like, I'm not going to be able to hold her knees. Like I, I have to hold my knees. Oh, can, can, can you get your knees down a little more? No, that's as far as they're going. (laughs) (laughs) So like, you know, just very, very kind of, kind of standard male flexibility kind of stereotype, I guess, um, So he was doing his best, but he's like, I got to hold my knees. You can hold your own. I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll hold my own. (laughs) Yep. Um, Yeah. And this was after patching a hole in the tub, which like luckily, luckily duct tape did the trick and that was fine. (laughs) Thank goodness. I know it was just this tiny little nick in the wall of the tub um, that we could hear the air like shortly after getting in, but it was totally fine and it was quick anyway. Um, So yeah, we're, we're in the corner and the waves are coming and they did a little bit of touch with my perineum and and a little bit of coaching of like, feel this sensation here. This is where you're focusing. This is where, you know, you're, you're sending your effort, your, your push effort or your energy. Um, And that was really helpful for me to have, some hands-on support in that way, and um, that was really interesting to work through afterwards. Of you know, like being the public floor embodiment, etc. Teacher, educator, you know, um, to know that I ended up pushing with more of a valsalva technique, like holding my breath and mm. really sending that effort down um, with with more force more active effort than I thought that I would, you know, and like with my mouth closed and holding my breath, it just was a little bit of a head trip to get around that. um, When I had envisioned like, you know, making sound and having my jaw relaxed and being more active with gravity and things like that. So anyway, she was moving and (laughs) I, I very easily was like, wisdom is whatever works. She's moving. This is working. This is exciting. Let's, keep going if, if she's moving. And um, it was probably only about 45 minutes of actual pushing um, where then she started to crown. And it is so wild. I mean, anyone that's given birth vaginally probably knows this, but it, it just was such a wild sensation to have this steady pressure 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 and sensation building and then all of a sudden just the like the yeah. the pop of like the head totally. actually coming out it's so crazy it's insane i may have even laughed out loud i don't know um <laughs> but it just was like such a strange contrast to what i had been feeling you know for that hour before and her head came out and i just sank back into jason after each of those you know pushing contractions and when she finally was here, it was like, whoa. And, and the midwife actually told me like, reach down and touch her. <laughs> yeah. um, and I had reached in a couple of times throughout labor to feel where she was. But that that was the first moment, of course, when she was starting to actually emerge into the world. And my um, hand reached down and felt her head and like the little ridges or or wrinkles of how their head molds felt. So, so interesting. And I felt the desire to push like, cause I was excited, you know, that like, Whoa, we did it. Like she's here and I'm in my bedroom and like, this is the V back that I've wanted. And, um, but I had to wait because my body was not giving me a contraction. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was this amazing, like, two and a half minutes or something where her head was out and and we were in the water. Uh, Her head was out, but I didn't have a wave for several minutes. Um, And it, it was such a gift because it allowed the reality to sink in for me. And I got like the, the butterflies from my, belly up into my heart and up and out through my eyes with some tears and a little like laughter and like, holy cow, we're here. Like, like we did it. And we're here on the other side of this. And I'm going to hold her in my arms very, very soon. Um, so yeah, one, one more wave or contraction and her body came out and she had her eyes open when she was under the water Wow, and I just kind of cradled her. From, I'm like, did it start to cry a little bit. <laughs> kind of cradled her in my my hands um, for a moment, and then slowly brought her up to the surface. And just incredible, like how deep and dark their eyes are when they're first born. Yeah, um, it, they just like pierce straight through you. At least that's what I feel. Um, so I brought her up into the air and kind of just turned to jason and leaned back into him for a few moments and what i what i remember and this this was in my written birth story that i shared in december a couple months after she was born but um what i remember in that moment was kind of turning to jason and quietly whispering to him her name is magnolia based on like the flower that the vision that I had earlier um but my doula corrected me weeks later that I kind of announced it to the room more proudly it was not mm-hmm. a like subtle whisper of a moment it was more of a proclamation <laughs> for like declaration of like she's here and her name is Magnolia everyone uh, <laughs> <Magnolos>. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah So yeah, in just a matter of minutes then, you know, like five, 10 minutes after I was in bed, um, you know, like five feet from where she was born, just climbed into bed and had the, the midwife was massaging my legs with oil and we were waiting for the placenta and, um, I think she latched on maybe 30, 45 minutes after she was born and, Fern, Fern came in actually in the exact moment that her head was coming out, like in the video that we have, I was scrubbing back and forth to take still pictures. And you could see like her little blonde head enter the frame and then go around to the other side of the tub, like right at this pivotal moment of her sister's head coming out and she, you know, had been in the living room, like with popsicles and watching Peppa Pig or whatever. (laughs) But she was there in the moment of Magnolia starting to arrive into the world. Um, Wow. So, yeah, so she was born at 4.52 p.m. Um, It was five or six hours of labor total and super intense and swift. uh, And that was one of the only one of a few details that I had written in my journal somewhere maybe two months before the birth that that it was a daytime birth. There was a, a line something like, From sunrise to barely sunset and she's already here. And wow. it actually, you know, played out that way where it was purely in daylight. And then when I was in bed with her, we had that last hour or so of like the golden hour light coming in the window. Mm. And it was so Profoundly different um, to feel so coherent and so intact and so present and so myself um, immediately after, you know. I mean, and there, there was naturally, you know, a handful of moments or <clears throat> minutes of a little bit of like shock kind of stuff, you know, like of just the immensity of sure. having, you know, such a, a speedy labor um where I needed a little bit of time to sort of ground and, and anchor in to my body. Um but that was one of one of the biggest moments was, you know, sitting not sitting, laying in bed with her um during golden hour and she's already here and reflecting on how disoriented I felt for so long after a hospitalized setting and a cesarean birth and all that came with that, um, I did not feel intact for a very long time
0: <laughs> yeah. after
1: that birth. Um, so to feel so like myself and so whole uh, and, and like it was such a tremendous and like I said before, transcendent kind of spiritual confirmation of like, this this is birth. This is how I knew that it could be. I'm grateful for all the lessons of when it went sideways the other time. Um, but this, this truly with connection and support and that deep healing and resilience in my own body, my own nervous system, like it just was such validation or triumph of everything that I believe in Yeah, <laughs> like to have it actually play out
0: you know, yeah. in, in
1: real life um, was hugely affirming um and I even from being so intact um and, and so connected, you know, in those early weeks afterwards, um I felt such a sense of attraction for my partner <laughs> oh. <laughs> that that was kind of surprising, you know, like and I was yeah. not about to have, you know, penetrative sex at that point, you know, one or two or three weeks after, but I very much was, you know maybe even aroused by how, mm. how clear our connection was and that, that sense of intimacy allowed me to have the, the safety and security and the you know, experience that I had. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's so many layers to how when a birth feels trauma-free for the woman like regardless of what other people think is trauma or not or whatever, you know, like if, if it registers as complete or safe or okay in our system, it has so many ripple effects into, you know, the postpartum season of life and the relationships within the whole family unit. Um, yeah there's there's so much there yes <laughs> that oh was yes wildly different um this time around for me so so yeah, I got my <sighs> my knee back that I wanted so badly um and had to like hold it lightly but like so fiercely, <laughs> that yes. that's what was happening yes um and yeah, it was really
0: beautiful that is um Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, what do you, thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you for, for sharing that. And, um, you know, it, it's crazy to me that we don't hear more positive birth stories like yours, you know, Mm -hmm. there's, um, we see so much trauma bonding, I feel like, um, in, in the birth realm sometimes. And, um, to have on recording, you know, a, a a remarkable birth experience like what you had mm. um, makes it, I believe, more real of a possibility for anybody else to experience that. You know, knowing that a fellow sister has experienced something as beautiful as you did makes it all the more possible and real for others. So, mm. um, thank you for sharing that and. Thank you for taking the journey that you did to get there and Mm. to then be able to share with us your lessons and, um, your teachings. I think that that's Mm. very big. Um, Mm. and that's kind of, I think the, the one question I have, um, is from Magnolia's entrance into the world, what has been, if you have even fully acknowledged (laughs) it yet, has been, what has been the, the biggest lesson, um, or teaching, um, from Magnolia's birth? (sighs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. So much. Um, I think the, the first thing, and I, I was journaling a bit before we hopped on the call, but I wrote the word maturity Mm. and then the phrase ripening of the quality of my life. Um, wow. Yeah. (laughs) And I, I'm still, like you said, still very much kind of processing and seeing the, the kind of echo of that birth experience now playing out in how I attempt to mother (laughs) as I'm like hearing Fern, you know, screaming out in the living room with Papa. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) Always so, those reality, you know, like the day-to-day,
1: right, like the day-to-day <laughs> reality. It's a lot to be mothering to. Um, and I, over and over again, I'm like kind of stunned or um, like both in awe of, but also kind of stunned and like how on earth do women do this with more than two children for years of their life, yep. you know, and be in that early mothering phase with, you know, multiple kids under three, four or five years old um because it just um when Jason went back to work it was really uh kind of rude awakening for my nervous system because we had such a long postpartum time with with his flexibility at work to be home a lot mm. um which was really really good for you know all of us to be able to transition together sure into being a family of four but um that first week in January when he actually had to go 5 days in a row by like by Wednesday afternoon noon I was like done yeah <laughs> like just how trying. on earth you know cuz you know we didn't have fa- we don't have family here and um Fern had not yet started preschool although now she goes 3 days a week which is amazing know, for her amazing for her but also for me and um, my own nervous system um yeah so yeah so this ripening of the quality of my life i I feel like anytime there's a big rite of passage or initiation which motherhood is absolutely um, that that also invites us to mature you know and and grow up in our own necessary ways and I've always felt fairly disciplined or focused or discerning, <clears throat> even like decades prior in like my younger, like maiden years. Mm -hmm. Um, but there is so much more depth of devotion and focus and discipline that I'm being called into now, um, to be able to fully be present in mothering when I'm in mothering mode, and then to very quickly be able to shift my focus or my state to be able to write or to be able to work in any capacity. Um, mm. like there, there's just such a more clear kind of like flipping of the switch or turning of the dial internally that needs to happen um, to be able to kind of toggle between even just mothering my, my two. You know, like how I mother Fern and what she needs is so different as an almost three-year-old compared to my three, three-and-a-half-month-old Baby and what she needs, the the kind of mothering, nurturing presence that we give an infant is so different than what a toddler craves. Right. So, being able to toggle between the two of them and at the same time registering my own state and what I need in the moment and um, being able to make space like over the last couple of weeks of resumed writing, you know, since the holidays and things have gotten back into writing and have started teaching some and to be able to to toggle again back into like my professional self (laughs) yeah but still very much show up as a person as a woman as a mother you know that that comes with me and can feed me professionally rather than feeling at odds with my professional self yes like how does that feed me professionally and inform my teaching inform what I can share or how I can share it in a more relatable way, perhaps. Um, But yeah, being able to like set a timer for 50 minutes and be in the bedroom and write and actually accomplish some writing while I also know that, you know, in the other room there's Three beings, and sometimes it gets real loud, real fast. <laughs> Yoga in the other room. Uh huh. Um, but like to stay with with whatever state that I'm choosing to be in um, has required some sharpening of my focus or my my own maturity. Um, yeah, um, I I think one other way that that plays out is in my voice with being able to be very clear like explicitly clear and direct with Jason um about what I'm feeling and what I need um, yeah. that has so been important yeah <laughs> yeah That has been a, a big part of this last few months as well Of like neither of us really have the <clears throat> maybe energy to kind of like sit and have lengthy conversations about things um you know by the time the kids are in bed then we're kind of like finishing up household stuff or getting ready for the next day. And then like, like last night I fell asleep with Fern at whatever time, eight 30 or something. (laughs) Yeah. So like, you know, the, the, the gaps between quality time for us have stretched longer as we're both kind of on all the time with the, with the two kids. So when we do get time, um, I have had to learn to be much more direct, um, and clear about what I, what I need or how things are going. And, and also to focus on praising both of us, (laughs) That it's not always just like what we need or what's not going well, but like to also, you know, anchor back into the fact that like we're choosing to do this life together and, and offering each other praise as well has been, you know, part of my focus or part of my intention
0: that's beautiful. That's. Yeah. And I have no doubt that that is uh going to pay in dividends later, you know. Um as as diff- as struggles shift, you know, with the growing of your girls, but knowing from the beginning that you guys have established this foundation of trust and um honesty and um openness, you know, that's going to really really I think um You're paying it forward already to your future self, Mm -hmm. so to speak, by doing that now, even in those moments where I'm sure it might be hard, you know, to do even that. Um, Mm. So that's, that's, I I, Mm. thank you again for um, sharing that. That's huge. Um, And that was more than one lesson. I feel like, I feel like that was a, yeah. (laughs) yeah, just a tip of the iceberg of all the things that it sounds like have really um, transpired within your own internal growth and then, you know, the expansion mm-hmm. of your family and tribe, so to speak. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I would love to know, um, how has, you mentioned in, in part one about how, um, you know, the maiden part of yourself is still learning to play. And just like you mentioned before, like you also have this wonderful discipline to, go and take time and accomplish something that you have a task and you're going to do it. And that shows your kind of motherhood fierceness. And, and, you know, you mentioned in the first <clears> up, <throat> episode, your boldness, mm-hmm. uh, and you have this boldness to know, okay, it's time to get to business right now, whatever. But you also mentioned, um, this play, and um I mean I know you are a player, you love to move and you love <laughs> to do all these different things, which I love. So how have you, if if you have, because I still know that you are so so deep in postpartum, um, how have you continued to play and and how has um how has your maiden self still presented herself um within your new role of mothering too, if she has at all? Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah, play. For sure continues um you know especially with fern and being able to to shift from when i see her potentially acting out or like longing for more focused attention mm-hmm. and and she's strengthened her voice as well like by being able to tell me Put Magdalena down, Mama. Play yeah. with me, Mama. <laughs> oh, you know. So, like, so being able to really shift in in conscious ways of like, okay, I'm full on with Fern right now, and we're like building stuff and reading books and having a dance party in the living room or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been really important, I think, in in my relationship with her, to meet her in in play. Um, yes, I think that. Taking full advantage of solitude as well. Yes, <laughs> like the few times that I've had to go to the studio to lecture for our training programs, it's like windows down, radio cranked. <laughs> let's do this, you know, and, yep. and very much feeling like okay, this this could be me at like nineteen or something, but I'm actually going to lecture about. nervous system for three hours or whatever (laughs) like but it's that that freedom just
0: brings it out freedom
1: and nourishing myself so that I can give you know in a different way um yeah I mean even writing like it's to me like equal parts maiden and mother because the the discipline to focus and get it done and like lay down words every single week at least I'm you know two weeks into that process and today is a writing day so three weeks into that process Definitely requires the mother in me, but the creative aspect of it and to make the writing fun and relatable and, um, light, you know, like instead of writing in a way that feels very scientific or academic or whatever, um, that, that doesn't feel like my voice as a writer. So bringing in my maiden self and that creativity of, um, being able to write in that way, you know, brings out yes. the maiden in me as well. Um, I think affection and, like, flirting with Jason is part of it. Um, even last last night we were down in San Diego, and my cousin uh, now lives in San Diego. She's a travel nurse. And I decided somewhere in in the midst of the day that I wanted a margarita. So... <laughs> Jason was very, very on, on point with like, okay, I've got the two kids. And like, before we drive home, you guys can have like an hour or whatever. And so we're driving around San Diego and Jenny found this place, this bar, um, and we go in and it happens to be happy hour, buy one, get one free. And they serve us these margaritas in like plastic margarita <laughs> cups or, or, you know, like this very like patio plastic ware, whatever. Yeah. Um, And after being at the beach all day, it was very thirst quenching, although it really was not a margarita, was not the quality that I was looking for. (laughs) So I'm like on my phone, you know, like we have these margaritas down in five minutes because it's more like lemonade. Um, And I'm on my phone like, okay, Ortega's Mexican Bistro across the street, their happy hour ends in 14 minutes, let's go get a real margarita. So (laughs) I love it. So that was, I think, part of where this like ripening of the quality of life, right? Like I wanted, yes. I wanted the quality of the experience of having one margarita that was like so satisfying and luscious and, um, well-made, you know, like crafted or well-made by, by the yeah. bartender in it's a, a real glass. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, And I got that, you know, and like just being able to make that snap decision of like, you know what, this was not what I had in mind. Let's go see if this other place is what I had in mind. And we had a, an amazing time, you know, like served us chips and salsa and Jason and the kids came in and we even like salsa danced a little bit while he's like wearing Magnolia in the carrier <laughs> and she's sleeping, Aww. you know, um, and, and that, that ripening of quality of my life, um, and like, it's not just about a margarita, but the, the quality of time that we shared, um, at that second establishment was, you know, more connecting, yeah. um, uh, for us, you know, to spend time together in that way. Um, yeah. And there's, yeah. Anyway, so there was a little maiden mating that came out last night too.
0: <laughs> I love that. that. Yeah. And I, I, um, so I ha, I have something that kind of relates to that story. I have, I wake up and I do morning meditation. And one of my downloads this morning was this idea that love is grand gestures. And I don't mean grand gestures in that, um, you know, your partner does something for you that costs money or gets you something expensive, nothing necessarily material (laughs) or, um, flashy of any kind. But love is grand gestures in that it's small tasks with great outcome. And what Jason did Mm. by taking your girls for that hour and one hour, you know, and letting you go and have a margarita um, because (laughs) because he loves you. And he knows how important that is and how that is a small task he can do for you with great outcome for you, for him, for your family. I mean, that is, that's love, you know, that wasn't, it didn't cost you a whole lot of money. It didn't inconvenience people. It wasn't flashy. No one saw it on social media, but there it is, you know, that Mm -hmm. is love and, um, you know, that that's, I know you are tremendously grateful for your family and I'm just, it it gives me hope that there is love Mm. out there, you know, um, like that. And that is, you have such a blessing in that. I mean, it, it, that's, I applaud Jason for Mm -hmm. doing that for you, you know, um, because you now have this awesome story of a memory, you know, Which is just so sweet. And so uh, uh, that those that I mean, those are the building blocks of of a well lived life, you know, is those mm-hmm. little memories that just accumulate. And yeah, um you remember that joy and that um, passion and that fun and that play. So mm-hmm. um thank you for sharing that. That's yeah. really, really fun. And I, I, I really appreciate that you shared it too, in that I hope it inspires other women to kind of claim their voice in the same way that you have in your relationship and um you know your marriage is going to always change you know especially when you have a child even if you already had one two four before your marriage is going to shift no matter what because um it's a new experience it's a new road a new path and it sounds like you guys have embraced it beautifully Mm -hmm. and i love that and Mm -hmm. um I'm happy for you for that. Thank That's you. wonderful, wonderful. You deserve yeah. all of that um well i i this is i, I wish so desperately that we got to do this face to face because I miss your sweet smile and energy so much. Mm. I envisioned holding your hand a couple of times while you were sharing huh? some of this stuff if we were together um, <laughs> yep and um i just i i want to thank you for being willing to share all of this with us and to again be um a source of light, I think mm. in some gray and foggy areas of birth and, and showing that just like you said, you held on to this vision of what you wanted for Magnolia's birth, um, fiercely, but also lightly. I thought that was really beautifully put. And, um, I feel like that's something also that as we are mothers and transitioning into fully embracing that, that that's a really good um, mantra to have is to be fierce, but light, you know, Mm. um, and that can be interpreted in so many different ways. And I don't think there's a right or wrong interpretation of that. Um, but just living it the way that works best for you. So, um, thank you you again, Sherry. Is there anything else that you have Mm. felt pulling at your heartstrings to share that we have not yet, um, dove into the platform is yours. If there is anything. Hmm. Well, I was
1: reflecting on your question, um, how does society help or hinder, you know, women in in mothering or women in the in the mother archetype? Um and I was just talking with a couple of pregnant women a few weeks ago and they were just, you know, curious to kind of eat up like, okay, you've done it twice now, like tell us everything. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, one of them is kind of more newly pregnant. Um And the other one is very kind of late, full term, ready, ready to rock and roll. Um, So they're at different stages. But what I found curious, um, I think, in talking with both of these young women is how postpartum support or a postpartum care plan is still not in our cultural narrative as strongly as it needs to be, and that it's so true. Changed, you know, it's it's gotten better. It's definitely changed um, in recent years. But that was one of, I think, the biggest things that I I felt compelled to share with them was, you know, as much energy as you're putting into, you know, your your prenatal care and your birth plan and thinking about what you want for the birth experience. Catch yourself on the other side and have. A plan in place, you know, like identify a few key people, write them down, ask them ahead of time, like, will you be one of my few people in postpartum that I can call that, you know, you can come over and help me, whatever that looks like. Um, But, you know, to to set yourself up with that safety net is so huge. Um, And it was, it was part of big reason why We decided to have a midwife, not just for the support during labor, um, but during that postpartum phase, you know, of like having someone at least by text every day for the first week to 10 days to check on me. And then, you know, multiple visits between birth and six weeks. And, you know, when we have a hospital birth experience, you have one checkpoint at six weeks. Um, you know, right. so whether it's a medical provider or you know friendships or family members, get a few key people on your list and like explicitly communicate to those people, like can I count on you in those first couple of months postpartum? Um, I think that is so, so important for us to feel intact um, yeah. as much as we possibly can you know as as women and to be able to integrate the birth experience through storytelling and, you know, sharing that with people that we do trust to be active listeners uh, is so important. So, yeah, I think that's one thing that, that we can do, you know, for ourselves, but also maybe for each other that, you know, like sitting down with those two women to share with them, the more that you share this podcast, the more that that lesson is going to sink in, you know, throughout our society that women are valuable, mothers are valued and valuable and actively supporting them is important. And, and it can give people ideas of how to do that.
0: Yes. To every single bit of that, Sherry. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Even, uh, yes. I mean, that's all I can say. I, I, um, Mm. you know, one of my big things, uh, has been, um, the baby shower in our culture which is always so funny because um you know over in Europe they don't do baby showers because it's almost like bad luck of celebrating mm. something that hasn't happened um and then it's afterward that they shower the baby and the mom with all the gifts um mm. and i have as i have had you know my three kids and noticed the importance of the postpartum as well i have found myself and i think you probably will do the same and it sounds like you already do I am um, sharing with so many women, you know, hey, at the baby shower, you know, how about a, a a GoFundMe for your doula or for placenta encapsulation or for a postpartum doula? You know, how about you have people sign you up for meal plans, you know, or something like that, something that um, is going to become an afterthought once the baby arrives. So just like you said, think ahead, you know sit yourself, um, with who you will be once the baby comes here, what will you need, you know? And, um, and the only way new moms can know that is to hear stories from people mm-hmm. like you, Sherry, you know, and saying like, look, I've been there twice. These are the things that I need. And I'm hearing from my other friends that it's the same thing for most women. And, mm-hmm. you know, here's the top three to five things that you should make sure you have available for yourself postpartum. And mm-hmm. and then utilize this time of celebration of the pregnancy and the upcoming birth to prepare for that time, so that the joy and the elation that comes with being pregnant can then continue on beautifully into motherhood. You know, it can continue to become a celebration and an embracing of this new life, as opposed to a um, sometimes a squandering. You know, you just you you feel like you can't get your footing. Everything has happened so quickly, and you weren't. Um, necessarily prepared, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so you and I are doing the similar thing. I feel like in spreading the knowledge of, don't worry about getting onesies and blankets and you know, all <laughs> that stuff, that stuff you can get, you know, we live in 2020, you can get on Amazon and it'll be at your door the next day. You know, if that's what you really need, um, mm-hmm. more focus on your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health and well-being in that postpartum. And, you know, what are the elements that make that up? And your suggestion of people is huge. And I think that's again, a huge, uh, it's a big piece of wisdom for the women who are transitioning into motherhood. Um, because motherhood is naturally in our culture, very isolating. Mm -hmm. Um, and so to know ahead of time, look, you're going to need people, even if you, um, have self-consciousness about around that, about reaching out for help. You know, that's, I think a struggle of a lot of us asking for help. Um, But like you mentioned in the first episode, um, you know, Brene Brown's bravery and vulnerability, you know, and how those two things go together and you put um, confidence and humility. um, And those things are huge too. And part of that is setting yourself up for success in the future by reaching out to people and taking some responsibility for your own well being in this, sacred, precious, um, time, you know? So again, as always, Sherry, your wisdom, um, is, uh, is wonderful and is going to help bring so many women's, um, experience I think in motherhood to a very optimum level, which is wonderful because when moms are vibrating, the world is, um, you know, the world feels it and benefits from it deeply. I I believe, Mm. Um, yeah. So yeah, we, we
1: have things to do while we're here in these human bodies. And if that's including actual mothering, great. For me, mothering is inclusive of like my children, my business, my marriage, like the creative work that I want to do for, you know, like a further contribution or legacy, so to speak. And when we take care of ourselves and take care of each other, like you said, that's, that's how we can be intact enough to then continue on with the bigger vision for our life, you know, and, and naturally early motherhood kind of gets you into some tunnel vision, I think, because it is so hands-on for quite a while when they're really little. Um, yeah. But, you know, being able to nurture ourselves, like as multifaceted women. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's important and, and it will hopefully, yeah, continue and support people as they listen to your amazing podcast. So thank you.
0: (laughs) I I am simply here. I feel like as a a, a vessel to, to provide, that's all I, you Mm -hmm. know, just the more that this is out there, the more it's normalized and the more I feel our, our world will, uh, We'll find a little bit more of a shift to the light than the dark, you know, so um, although that darkness is is so profound and and amazing in itself. Um, So, well, thank you, Sherry. This I have uh, what a beautiful gift on a Sunday morning to be able to talk to you and to hear your experience and sit with it and glean my own lessons. And, um, and I just, I know that this is valuable time for you. I know that this is your writing morning. So hopefully Mm -hmm. this has stirred up some new inspiration and some new ideas um, that you can then share with our world in some uh, wonderful way. Um, But thank you. I love you. And I miss you so dearly. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I miss you too. I love you too. I know that we will
1: connect you know, in the flesh, in person at some point. We will. Um,
0: it will yeah. happen. And yeah, it will be you. wonderful and marvelous. And oh, before <laughs> you go, yes. I want people to know what you're up to so that mm. um, they can reach out to you and um, continue to connect with you if they've really resonated with what you've shared. So what are the best ways to get a hold of you? And what are you offering right now, if anything? Yeah.
1: Uh, best way to get a hold of me is either Instagram Instagram. Or okay. through my website, you can email me through my website sherrydostal.com. Uh, as far as offerings, I if you're local to Southern California or Orange County, um, starting on March one, I'm offering a six-week pelvic yoga therapy class series. Mm. So six weeks of pelvic floor health through you know the lens of yoga therapy, yoga tools, but specific to the pelvis, nice um, for women. Um, and then what I'm actively writing right now is also around women's pelvic health um I still am in the waiting room (laughs) (laughs) Uh, in terms of hearing back from the the editor or the publisher that I've submitted a proposal to to but part of that maturing process for me is like you know so what I haven't heard anything I don't have a contract yet that's fine this project, this work is still important to me. And so let's show the kind of, you know, energetics or subtle, subtle energetics behind this like tangible contract that may or may not be coming. Like, let me just do my work, you know? And, and so that's been important the last few weeks of like, regardless of what happens with any contract, I'm going to continue to write. And I know that what I'm creating is going to serve in one way or another. Um, so yeah, women's embodiment, women's health. Um, I have a class coming up um, in Orange County. I have some plans to do my online program again for people wherever they happen to be in the world. Um, and I'm I'm not really taking one-on-one clients right now. Um, so those, those would be the best ways to work with me, you know, is in a group setting. And I'm heartened by, you know, the... the Fact that through that storytelling and connection that happens in a group setting, that the healing might even actually be more lasting or or deeper. Um, sometimes one on one care is certainly warranted and needed and and justified. But I'm excited to make that shift with mothering too, and save my bandwidth for okay, how many people can I serve in a group setting um, versus one on one? And I think that that sense of community is. In some ways, what we're all being called back into. Um, you know, like even though I'm working virtually and online, the deep sense of presence and sitting with other women is important. Um, so I'm focused on group offerings right now.
0: So, That's wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Aho to all that. And I will be sure to put. Um, all of your contact and information and stuff in the show notes on my website and everything, so that people can get a hold of you. Um, and I'm now curious about this March first series, so I'll have mm. to you off uh, off of here and see what's going on with that because I'm curious. Cool. Um, but I love you again. Thank you. Thank you are mm-hmm. a wonderful partner for allowing us to have this hour mm-hmm. together and for taking your sweet girls and give them all my love in any capacity that you can. And um, just know how grateful I am for your presence in our life and for all your sharing. Thank you, Natalie. It was really (laughs) lovely to spend Sunday morning with you. Thank you. I love you. Love you. I want to thank you for spending part of your day here with us. Hopefully, you have found some new inspiration, strength, and courage to move forward on your journey until we connect again i see you and i love you